You are Locked On Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked on Mavericks for Tuesday, November 1st. And thank you for listening to Locked on Mavericks. We are brought to you by SeatGeek, which is a fantastic ticket broker. Um, You should download it on your iPhone or your Android and go in there and uh, check out some events. They gather up all the tickets from everywhere else and they throw them in one place for you. They'll grade them for you. Green dot means a good grade. Red means bad. Coming to Dallas very, very soon. Yeezy season approaching. November 26th, once part again. Part two. Part two. That was one of the most phenomenal concerts I've ever been to. So if you can get in there for 79 bucks, or maybe even 59 I can tell you about how to get in there for 59 bucks here um, and, uh, in just a second. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Adele, Stars are going. And, of course, the Dallas Mavericks are up and flying as well. But if you want to save some money off of uh, your first SeatGeek purchase via the SeatGeek app, 20 bucks off the top. How about that? How does that sound? How about I give you $20? How about I give you a $20 bill? You download That's this. two extra chip, uh, trips over to the pizza stand at the AAC. <laughs> what do we have this year? Is it Pizza Patron or? Is oh, it, is no. It Let me pizza hit the hut. upgrade button. It's Pizza Hut time. <laughs> Sorry, um, Patron. Um, yeah, if you download the SeatGeek app, go to the Me tab. Uh, there's a little bar in there. It says enter promo code. You enter the promo code LOMAVS, as in locked on Mavs. 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. They'll send you a rebate via an uh, old-fashioned check, or they'll just send it to your PayPal. It's pretty nifty. Um, and that'll save you 20 bucks on your first SeatGeek purchase with the promo code LOMAVS. No Not- lie. This yeah. Saturday will be the third time I've used the SeatGeek Damn. for football in, like, six weeks. Do you keep DC- on using different promo codes? <laughs> yeah, but don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> me and you... At TCU, OU, TCU Tech, and then this weekend, Nebraska, Ohio State. Wow. So sounds like you're a real uh, college football bro. That's right. It's a real it's 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 a real opportunity. You really can't have it all uh, (laughs) with SeatGeek. So thank you to them for for bringing you locked on Mavs. And that is the uh, self-proclaimed king of Fort Worth, Jacob Kemp. Don't forget it. Check the ballots on your at your local district. See if you can. you know, I'm punch, on there. Punching a card for him. Uh, uh, report a 99% turnout and support like Saddam in Tarrant <laughs> County tomorrow. <laughs> can't, just, run, just running up the numbers. <laughs> can't stop me. Uh, he's at not Jack Kemp on Twitter if you want to follow him. I am Mike Marshall. Uh, some people call me the machine at Machine Sports on Twitter if you're into that. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team. It's every single day. Uh, we do post games. We do radio shows on the matter of Dallas Mavericks. So that's why you should listen to us. And you should also check out Locked On Cowboys. Who doesn't want to hear about some 6-1 uh, and one Dallas Cowboys every single day? We're here for you every single day, too. So check it out on your way to work, on your way home, whatever you feel like. If you'd like to submit some questions, you can do so at Locked On Mavs on Twitter or Locked On Mavs at gmail.com. What we're doing today is uh, we're going to praise the basketball god for throwing the play type page in NBA.com. If you haven't realized that's there yet, friends, 
you can get real weird with some numbers, uh, pick and roll ball handling, pick and roll roll man, off screen stuff, isolation. I didn't realize they were doing this this year. Um, they've messed around with NBA.com so much that I'm like just now getting reacquainted to it. Yeah. And I haven't had to do a post game yet. So that's part of it, I guess. And I'm not writing every day about the Mavs necessarily, just doing radio. So I found this this morning and it's fascinating stuff. But what we're doing today for you, <coughs> pardon me, is three observations from the first three games. You see the synergy there with the numbers. And uh, I'll have three and then Jacob will have three and we'll yell at each other and we might not agree on all of them. So we'll figure it out. But, uh, Jacob, I will leave the first observation to you. Fire away. All right. Well, I'm going to start with the play type stuff. And Mm -hmm. the website that we formerly both have been associated with in Mavs Outsider, I did a a few different pieces for them. This is before NBA.com had the play type stuff, but I did have the Honorable Followeasy Synergy account. Sorry, everyone. He gave me the Synergy account. Mm. I don't have it anymore. Look at me. You can't come fire him. Um, So I think it gave me data all the way back to like 2010. And it had all the stuff that is out there now publicly and then some. And what I found then, I wonder if I could even pull this article up. But it was the Mavericks were basically setting for as far back as the data went for play type. They would set the pick and roll if you combine ball handler and roll man. They would set the record every year. Yeah. So for, it for was. Usage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like the, this is like a lot of Brandon Wright, a lot of Tyson Chandler, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of a Mo- lot of Monte. They were the heaviest pick and roll team every single. Year. Of course, Brea. It was every year. It was higher. Whatever. Whatever they were topping the league with one year, they would best that the next year. Mm-hmm. We've seen that somewhat regress over the past couple years especially since Monte left and especially since um, Chandler Parsons was hurt so much during the time he was here so last year if you just look at pick and roll ball handler they were actually using it a little bit less by one percent which doesn't sound like a lot it really isn't it's probably like a a possession or two per game Um, but last year they were a little bit lower 17.8 this year they're up at 19 but if you go back to what I was saying a moment ago about how the league, that number is like pass attempts. It's going to change every year mm-hmm. uh, or three-pointers. Like, so even though they're using it a little bit more this year, they've fallen back 10 spots. Wow. From, well, actually nine, from 12 to 21. So that's concerning to me because if you look at Roll Man, it's the same thing. In Roll Man, they actually have a raw percentage drop of two and another nine spots there from 10 to 19. So they've gone from being... Uh, a top-of-the-league pick-and-roll team, just a machine, if you go back to that first month of 2014 with the pick-and-roll, to, I don't know, now we're about 8-10, to 8-12, to 12, to now we're 19-22. to 22. Mm-hmm. And the thing about that that worries me the most is that the guys who are responsible for that are going to be here for a while. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the reasons that slid off the table that I believe feeds into like my very first point, my very first observation, which uh, is in regards to Darren Williams. Um, He's having a great start to the season, obviously 17 points a game, five assists. Like I'll take that every time out of a, uh, out of a Darren Williams age 32 season. Um, The bad part is the 22.6% usage 
and he has no idea how to use a pick and roll. Um, he's really, really bad at it, actually. And that's that was something I noted just um, on the surface, just optical uh, observation the first few games, that whenever mm-hmm. it just looked different. They would come and set run the same exact play with Berea, and Berea would uh, force you know a gravity field into the paint by the defense, either kick out or try to dump to the roll man. Darren doesn't do that. And granted, he's a different skill set than Berea, but whenever you bail on a pick-and-roll, like, high-key screen um, just to create a pull-up or a three-point shot for yourself, um, that's not what the play is designed to do. And then people start playing on their toes instead of playing on their heels whenever Bogut comes to screen or Barnes or Dirk. And he was worse. He was, like, the worst scenario through the first two games for uh, – or in the first game for Darren was if Dirk came over there instead of pick-and-roll. Because Dirk's actually just kind of, like – showing on that pick he doesn't actually like beat the hell out of the guy that's right. defending defending the ball handler and man darren dribbled into just like some silly traps like he'd go right-handed dominate dribble over to the wing stop and then everyone else is standing around like i my action my secondary action doesn't work if you just pick up the ball um so he's had 18 possessions as the pick and roll uh ball handler this season 14 points generated You can do that math in your head. That's less than a point per possession. In fact, that's .78. That would leave him in the 39th percentile in the NBA. And if you're in the 39th percentile uh, in your graduating class, you ain't going to college, homie. Um, (laughs) So he – that's just not in his skill set anymore. And I don't know if it ever was. Like, I didn't watch that closely of Brooklyn Darren or Utah Darren, but it's just not in his DNA to come off a pick and roll and and cut to the basket, take two hard plants, cut to the basket, and create the defense, uh, create a defensive rotation that then gets you an open three or a roll man diving. He's he's not good at it, and I don't know if he's ever going to be good at it because he's he's an old dog, and I don't know if you can teach him a new trick. And that he's 22% of your usage, so that makes sense why the pick and roll um, usage rate overall, like you mentioned, has slid kind of off the table. Well, along that same lines, uh, one positive from that is he he does have the ability to get himself a shot or yep. a step back three from a screen. And mm-hmm. particularly in game one, um, Bogut was very effective in freeing him up for shots. He and, and Bogut work great together. Like, they're always looking for each other. Yeah, because neither one of them are traditional pick-and-roll players. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you can throw Bogut a lob, but he's not – you know, he's not Tyson Chandler. Yeah, his balance. He's, I mean, he can jump high and he can run pretty fast for a dude that size, but his balance is not there. But he still can screen uh, mm-hmm. pretty well uh, away from maybe away from the lane to free you up for a shot, which has been uh, I don't have Darren's percentage on the year in front of me, but he started out pretty hot uh, as far as from from outside. And a big part of that, I think, is Bogut. And another thing that the NBA tracks, which I love as a guy who couldn't score. He's is, 52.9 from three. I mean, that's obviously not going to anywhere close <laughs> to that hold. Or but will if he's, it? if he's getting these sort of open looks from having a, a really effective, um, you know, efficient screener like Bogut, and that gets to uh, the fact that the Mavericks are fourth in the NBA in screen assists per game this year. And that's pretty much all Bogut. Mm-hmm. I For mean, sure. you can get you're going to you're going to get some level of um, of Dirk will get credited with screen assists whenever he's healthy because of the pick and pop. Uh, and if he ends up, you know, they end up, you know, basically faking the pop to Dirk and then, uh, you you know, the guard keeps it. But yep. 
fourth in the NBA in screen assists uh, with 11 per game. That's pretty much all Bogut and Williams. Yep. And it's bizarre to watch um, like a J.J. Dirk pick and pop or even like pick and roll occasionally to the elbow because it's the best. Like no one can do that quite like that in that fashion. Like it's just – it's fascinating to watch what it does to a defense and how they cannot figure out how to adjust for it, no matter what, because you can't cover all the angles if you're being – if someone's creating space on you. And then watching, like, Darren and Bogut try it, or even Darren and Dirk, it's just kind of bizarre. Um, one of the things that I noticed is um, our great fear of Harrison Barnes uh, having too many isolation possessions and just jab-stepping to death uh, and eventually settling for a, um, you know, a hastily put up long J from, you know, elbow extended or so. That was my greatest fear of why he would, like, start to be not trusted in the offense. And they would just kind of, like, even if it's not fully conscious on the level of, you know, flow offense, feel subconscious. Like, you do that in basketball. You're like, I'm not giving this dude the ball uh, if it's just him on the wing. It's not happening. I thought they were going to ice him out eventually uh, because of how ridiculous some of his isolation possessions look but through three games he's been stinking great and granted he did score 31 against Houston that second game and a lot of it came off of isolation um, but early returns are fantastic on Harrison Barnes isolation possessions 12 of them 18 points totaled uh, 1.5 points per possession in the 95th percentile in the NBA on isolation possessions I would not have expected that in any way from him yeah, you look at the guys that he's up there with, and if you eliminate backups and you're just looking for guys who are, you know, actually starters, it's it's CP3, Dame, Kyrie Irving, and Mike Mike Conley and Kevin Durant. Yeah, the guys you would think that'd be really good in isolation. <laughs> yeah, and some of their point per possession numbers aren't even quite as great. So mm-hmm. <laughs> much like D. Will's three point stats, that won't hold. Right, but uh, it's still really encouraging that if. Much like with D-Will not being able to go to the rim uh, quite as effectively, if you can't do that, then do this. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what Barnes is showing you, is that if you can't, if you can't necessarily create uh, with uh, the screen game, then do this. And he's done it pretty well. Now, it's not on my list. My second one was the hustle stats, and I don't want to spend mm-hmm. a ton of time on Wes Matthews, but that's the issue he's having, is that he can't really go to the rim, so he has to be able to shoot the three. And it came around mm-hmm. in game three, but... That's just going to be really, I don't know, the swing, the fulcrum of their offense this year is can he shoot from outside. Right. Yeah, because 18%, that's 18% on the year for him. I don't know if they'd win one game. I don't know if they win a game in which Wes Matthews makes fewer than 20% of his threes. No, unless it's like one, it turns out it's like one for six and he's yeah. just not, not shooting at all and Dirk has 30 yeah. or something and you yeah. might be able to. If he shoots but one not, for not, four. Not when he's taking 10 or 11 a game. Yeah, 11 a game, man. 11. <laughs> um, that kind of leads into uh, my next observation, which is the Mavs' uh, two most frequently used lineups thus far in the season, and yes, it's kind of been because Dirk's been out, um, is the three-guard looks. Um, let me pull up the lineups right now. It's Berea. Matthews, Darren, Barnes, and Bogut. And it's uh, Darren, Seth, uh, Wes, Barnes, and Bogut. So the four or five stay stay the same because that's what uh, they've had to do early on in the season. 
But those are the those are the go-to lineups. They've gotten 28 minutes on that first one, 21 on the first. Both are a positive in terms of net rating, which I was surprised to see. But what those lineups are doing to you, whenever you throw uh, three guards, point guards to uh, to whatever you want to call Wes Matthews now, um, it's getting you killed on the glass. Your rebound percentage for the that first lineup with uh, Barea, Wes, and Darren is 49%. Um, the second one is where you really start getting a little bit of torture because you're giving up uh, – you're only re- rebounding the ball at 45% with a Darren Williams, Seth Curry, Wesley Matthews lineup. Your pace is down to about 90. Um, so you're going real slow, and you're also not getting rebounds. Um, your offensive rating is at a 91.9. Uh, playing pretty good defense, honestly, 81 uh, defensive rating in those 21 minutes. But to me, the problems that are happening – uh, in terms of pace, in terms of rebounding, in terms of getting out of first quarters, not being down five to ten points. I'm really interested in seeing what Justin Anderson could do um, at the three. Starting him at three, uh, letting Darren and Wesley Matthews be the backcourt, and then uh, Barnes slides up to the four as he's been. Because whenever you throw Anderson into that mix, with Darren Williams at point, West at two, Anderson three, Barnes four, Bogut five in terms of uh, in the situation that Dirk is out. That lineup has played 13 minutes together. They have a sustainable 101 offensive rating. It's nothing insane, uh, but it's not going to get you beat. A 94-7 defensive rating. Wait, this is with Bogut at the five? Bogut at the five. Okay. Barnes at the four. Yeah. And Anderson at three. And they've done it for 13 minutes. It's the third uh, third most frequently used lineup. The rebound rate, rebound percentage goes up to 61.9, which is borderline dominant. Um, and then your pace cranks up to 106 point, uh, 106.1. So that fixes a lot of crap if you just throw Justin Anderson in there at the three. And, yeah, I know you've, you're freaking out about um, just generating offense in the, on the whole. That's why you started Brea in game two. Um, that's why you started Seth Curry in game three. He did nothing for you. Seth yeah. Curry did not contribute. That didn't work. So it's time to try the next thing. And you can't use Beret in the starting lineup because he has no one to, uh, to pick and roll with. He likes to pick and roll with Powell and Dirk. And if uh, he's in the starting unit, he's not rolling with Powell a lot. I want to see Justin Anderson starting three, starting Wednesday night. Uh, yeah, unless Dirk is back. <laughs> true. Very true. Very true. But even then, I think you, there's a way that they could go to that lineup even when Dirk is back. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have to – you know, rejigger your rotations a little bit. But even if it's Powell at the five uh, and Beret at the one with the two, three, four, the rest of the way it is, they've only played that lineup for seven uh, possessions for three and a half minutes. I, I want to see those three guys on the floor together mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of shooting there. And I don't hate the idea of having Beret on the floor with them either because the three of them are solid enough defensively to sort of make up for Berea's deficiencies, and then you at least still have a guy who can penetrate. So right. I, I want to find and, – and I don't even care if some of the time it's Dirk at the five. Yeah. If you want to roll those those three with Dirk at the five and then D-Will or Berea at the one, I think that's something they could get away with as well. So that's, that's something I've looked at this morning. Um, if you just take Matthews, Anderson, and Barnes – they have a slightly negative point per possession forwarded and yielded, but it's it's so few n- minutes that it just it's tough to really draw too much from it. But it's you know it shores up a lot of the things that 
they've struggled with in the first few games. And my last one, and this is one that I, you know, we're, we're, it's three games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. three games and there's not a game today and there's uh, there wasn't a game yesterday. So uh, not like I'm going too freak out mode over this, but their rim protection has been pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, I think they're at fourth worst, and mm-hmm. that's just that's not Nylon Calculus' stat because I don't think they release it for a while. That's just the NBA's field goals defended at the rim, so it's not it's not even necessarily just centers. Right. It's uh, it's really anybody. So that could include Dirk, and Dirk's going to get beat at the rim. It could include Justin Anderson trying to collapse from the baseline, and you know, much like an error in basketball, like if he hadn't have gotten there, then it wouldn't have been an, a, a field goal defended at the rim. Mm-hmm. But if he gets there but doesn't get there and they score, then it, it's counted against them. But still, 50% is not going to cut it whenever you – that's what you have Bogut here for. Yeah, And that's what exactly. you have a guy like Barnes who's not a rim protector, but he's athletic enough to not let most threes get into, you know, underneath – into the restricted area on him. So mm-hmm. that's not going to work. They've got – they they have to be one of the ten best teams at stopping teams at the rim to be, you know, a playoff team. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's probably from the first quarter of the first game. You know what I mean? Whenever yeah, they, they did give up 22 paint points in one quarter. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of that. And it's going to take a while to get that number corrected uh, because they were so bad um, at stopping dribble penetration off a of pick and roll in game one where Bogut was just in no man's land. He's like, okay, I can step up, but then someone's getting an alley-oop dunk. So, yeah, I guess just throw this stupid floater at the rim that I'm at the watch and wait for the offensive rebound or defensive rebound. Um, to wrap up the last point I had, they are, let's see, sixth worst uh, in rebound percentage right now, 47.3. And both these points kind of tie into something that um, – just a couple bonus ones for you. Salah hasn't been, hasn't been playing. Uh, he's played two games, a uh, total of 18 minutes in those games. Um, that's kind of concerning for me because he can fix your rim protection. I'd like to think he can fix your rebounding. I just don't know um, why the role that we kind of had pinned out for him, um, just simply by looking at the depth chart, why that hasn't worked out early in the season and why yeah. it's been so much Powell uh, at the five. And Powell has not been good. Like, I can't, I can't sit here and put a you know, brave face on for what, what Dwight Powell's done early, early in the season. And one other bonus observation that I've noticed um, – is on side-out plays and under-the-basket plays, Rick does everything he can to get Wes Matthews the ball um, on just open, either running at the basket or open, flaring out for a screen. So there's clearly an emphasis uh, being put on when you have this, you know, this set play, this thing that you can control that isn't flow, he's really trying to get Wes going. And so... I think it's just a matter of time before West starts contributing at an average level uh, with the opportunities he's afforded thus far. Um, I don't know if they can succeed with him at an average level. They probably need him to be a plus player on offense, and then you leave his defense where it is at a you know a slight a slight positive. But uh, they're trying. <laughs> he's just yeah. not. He's just not doing his part, honestly. So right, well. We talk a little jazz tomorrow? Yeah, jazz tomorrow. They play uh, at San Antonio tonight. If we could get every team on a uh, the second night of a back-to-back in San Antonio, I'd really love that. It's going to be a ugly-ass game. Their pace is really stinking slow. Um, but um, I think we might – like if I had to pick one of these first five games to win in our current state, I think it would be Wednesday night at Utah. 
especially if Dirk is back with with Hayward out uh, with with. The 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 Jazz are beat up too, so yeah, I I totally agree. But if you don't get that one, man, yeah, it gets a little with weird. Hayward out. If you don't get that one, you might start the season zero and five. You then I think the Lakers are after that, but mm. it's also real road heavy. Because oh, yeah. I was looking at like when we have post game shows and we don't do them on Sunday, yeah. and I guess now we're not doing them on, on Friday. I don't know, but like I don't have a post game show for like a month, like <laughs> a, a, a weeknight home game. Yeah, no, I mean they don't they don't have a ton of games. Um, and they I think they only have two back-to-backs uh, until the end of November, but they're all road games. Yeah. So, yeah, you get this little fun uh, get-to-rest thing, but you're also traveling uh, an ass-ton. So, all right, man, thanks, you, thanks for your time. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the, uh, the Yaz and some other things tomorrow. All right, I'll see you, dude. Later. with the helpful hardware folks it's ace's biggest led light bulb sale of the year right now buy one get one free on our best-selling led light bulbs our four-pack of led bulbs is 9.99 and our two-pack of led floodlights is only 12.99 buy one get one free there's no limit on how much you can save so stock up now hurry in buy one get one free on long-lasting 10-year led bulbs now through monday only at your neighborhood ace see participating stores for details